Hello everyone, welcome to Soulmates Podcast. This is Emily. And this is Rachel. Today we're doing a K-drama review of Alchemy of Souls. It has CGI (laughs) (laughs) and fantasy elements and magic. Quote unquote CGI. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, why don't you, you talk about why you picked this one for us to watch? So, really, Fabian picked this one for us to watch. So the truth comes out. The truth comes out. (laughs) Well, okay, here's the thing. Me and my boyfriend, we love to watch anime, but he's very rarely interested in, like, live action anything. So when he was like, this looked interesting, and it was a South Korean drama live action thing, I was like, okay, let's watch it. (laughs) Okay. No, No questions asked. And, I mean, I thought the premise sounded interesting. I'm a slut for fantasy, so I was like, this yeah. sounds cool. So we, we gave it a shot. And the first episode, this is like Fabian's, I think, second K-drama he's ever watched. After the first episode, he's like, that was one episode? And I was like, yeah, King, yep. buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> this show in particular, the episodes are very dense. It, it's like a movie every episode. Yes, very much so. It is a commitment So Alchemy of Souls, it is a uh, relatively new K-drama. It premiered on June 18th of 2022, and it depicts stories of young mages dealing with heaven and earth and like all these powers of like water manipulation and soul jumping. It's very magic oriented Mm -hmm. and also like political as well. Yeah, yeah. This is a Netflix exclusive, so it's the only place you're going to be able to watch it. It's divided into two parts, and part one came out in June, and that was 20 episodes, and there's going to be a part two, and it's going to be 10 episodes, and it's actually premiering in December 2022, so coming right up. So it's set in a fictional country called Deho, and it follows the story of an elite warrior, and she accidentally jumps into like another soul so she like does a soul transfer Mm -hmm. but she doesn't pick the right body (laughs) and it's her trying to make the best out of a bad situation because she used to be like 10 out of 10 warrior like super strong and then she soul transfers into someone who has noodle arms (laughs) yeah a a feeble blind girl who is essentially like useless in this era um that's who she transfers into and note that uh noxu is not a good person she's an elite warrior but she's evil and the soul transfer spell is like a very taboo thing it's a thing that only like a very small handful of sorcerers even have the capability to do but it's also something that should not be done because it creates like monsters essentially (laughs) so we are going to talk about the first three episodes and like we said these episodes are dense so prepare for some exposition and there will be spoilers if you're not interested in spoilers skip to the end where we talk about our ratings And I will say these recaps are with great um, appreciation and help from dramabeans.com. I watched the show and then I went back and read their recaps and they are extremely thorough and helped me do these recaps. So 
Thank you, Drama Beans. I, I want to put that out there. Yes. I mean, just if we try to do this ourselves, it's just like a monumental task. So <laughs> we're not being paid. <laughs> no. So grab a snack and get cozy because we're going to be talking for a while. <laughs> yeah. So episode one, the show is set in the fictional kingdom of Deho. And long ago, the energy of the sky collided with the ground to create a magic lake around which this whole kingdom was built. And mages are people with the power to wield the lake's energy, which is why everything has to do with water. Mm -hmm. One of the very deadliest mages is our female main character, our heroine, Naksu. She is evil. Or she starts (laughs) off that way. Yes. The show starts with a mage who is practicing the forbidden art of soul switching, which is moving one soul to another body. It is morally dubious because a soul can clash with the host body, causing it to lose energy and then attack other living beings. It becomes a monster, like this enraged zombie kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then it gradually also becomes stone. So you're killing the new soul, you're killing the old soul whose body it is, and it's not a good situation because you can also be killing other people while this is all happening. Yeah, it's it's not good, yeah. This mage has been summoned by the king, and things are very tense because the king is really sick, and he is like, I cannot die without an heir. So he demands that the mage and him switch bodies slash souls for a week. And it turns out the king had his own agenda because he wanted to seduce the mage's wife in hopes that she will bear his child. This scene, this scene <laughs> where he does this and then he's like, I'm gonna go fuck your wife. I was literally like, I literally gasped. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. And this mage, by the way, he doesn't like go away. He's actually one of the characters in the show. But like, he's fucking pissed off, obviously, that yeah. he fucked his wife and it wasn't him <laughs> like his body did but it was like the king and he yeah. has this whole complex like it was the king's seed even though it was physically his body i don't really know how the magic behind that works it doesn't make much sense but this no. is the main plot point for this <laughs> this is the kickoff of the soap operaness of the show <laughs> buckle up buckle up <laughs> <laughs> So 20 years into the future, Naksu has really gotten in trouble with the kingdom's higher ups, presumably because she is just killing people left and right and doesn't seem to care about who she's hurting. And so she is really pissed off the higher ups there. So she's facing Park Jin, who is the head of Songrim, the most powerful organization in this kingdom. And he's like, bitch, you gotta go. Mm -hmm. And by go, she means die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So despite her considerable skill, she's wounded by a well-aimed arrow from Park Jin. And she's like, oh, shit. So she starts fleeing with the enemies hot on her heels. She only has one means of survival, which is soul switching. So she literally grabs the first woman she sees on the street and she opens up her hand to reveal a glass orb and she uses that to send her soul into another body, letting her current one just like corpse fall to the ground. It is basically dead. 
Unfortunately, Jin is wise to her tricks, and when he finds her body, there is a telltale blue mark on her neck indicating that her soul has gone. So everyone who soul switches gets this blue mark on their neck. If you know, you know. (laughs) Oh my god. And then whoever, like, whatever body the soul switches into also has a blue mark somewhere on the body where the soul has presumably entered. What if it was the butthole, though? (laughs) You would have a blue butthole. I guess. (laughs) A fancy butthole. Uh, Like venom. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Jin comes upon the scene and he's like, ah, this bitch transferred her soul. And he's examining Noxu's body. And then So Yul, who is a baby-faced noble, he finds, um, who again is another character that will return, he finds a bird-shaped whistle in her pocket. And then they reveal that So Yul and Noxu were like childhood friends. Or maybe more. (laughs) And yeah, or maybe like puppy love. We also meet Jin's heir, Park Dong-gu, who is (laughs) an easygoing party boy. (laughs) (laughs) who's also blonde he's just straight up bleach blonde and no one says anything (laughs) i thought that was hilarious i was like work bitch at this point in the show i'm remembering that they introduce essentially the four seasons which represent like (laughs) uh the basically hot young up-and-coming sorcerers in major families and park dongu is summer i believe Hot boy summer. Hot boy summer. <laughs> and so Yul is fall. Anyway, so Park Dong-gu is like sad because his friend Jong Wook um, has been sent away to study magic. So he doesn't have his best bud anymore. Then we flash to Wook, who is winter. <laughs> um, and so he's icy. So icy. He's actually the one who, the only one who isn't a mage yet. He's actually searching for someone to teach him magic. So we have like a a short scene with him and the person who he's trying to get him to teach him magic. But this guy says no. And we we switch back to Noxu, but we we come back to look to figure out why the person won't teach him magic later. So Noxu is no longer Noxu. She's Muduk, uh, which is, like I said, a once blind girl with (laughs) wet noodle arms and things turn a little bit slapstick. That's that's what I love about K dramas. Like it's so serious and extra, and then they're like, da 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 da. It's quite literally life or death. And then, isn't it funny that she's not very strong? Yeah, <laughs> like, she's she's like trying to be her killer assassin, you know, doing her fierce moves or whatever, but she just keeps falling. Um, <laughs> And, you know, making a fool of herself repeatedly. At the same time, we find out that Muduk, who is Noxu, has been sold to Wook's household. That's Winter's household. She is upset about this, obviously, because she doesn't want to be a servant. She's a killer assassin. She's like a tiny chihuahua. She's like, you don't believe me, but I'm vicious. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So she's distressed and tries to find a way to leave. She threatens Wook with the first weapon that comes to hand, which is a crab leg <laughs> from a nearby <laughs> dinner tray. And remember, this is like the, like the, you know, crown prince of a household. Like he's a big deal. So her like threatening him, even with a crab leg could like be punishable by death or severe punishment. Instead of being scared though, Wook merely remarks that Muduk has beautiful eyes. 
This is our first clue that Wook clearly recognizes that Buduk is not as she appears. Instead of confronting her, though, his plan is to make her fetch water for his bath and then, you know, kind of toy with her and say that it's too hot and then it's too cold and then it's too hot and then she snaps and resorts to violence. (laughs) 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 And then while Wook is pretending to sleep, Muduk steals his pass in order to escape the household again. However, she doesn't get far um, because there are some mysterious cloaked figures that have set fire to the Songrim building. And in the ensuing chaos, uh, Muduk is nearly caught again, trying to escape. She is rescued by Wook again, who pulls her to safety. This results in her asking him, like, why do you keep saving me and not punishing me, essentially? And he says again, because of her eyes. In the moonlight, they gleam as blue. <laughs> bum, bum, bum! As the mark left on Noxu's body. So uh, Moduk has been seen for who she is, Noxu's soul in a new body, and Wook is determined that she be his master and teach him magic. And that's how we end episode one. It is a lot. (laughs) Episode two, we open in a flashback. And it turns out the mage from the previous episode was actually Wook's father. Dun, dun, dun! dun. So he emerges from his wife's deathbed with their newborn son, and he's tormented by the thought that it was the king who fathered the child. He performs a ritual to permanently block the baby's energy gate, and thus his magic. And it's really hard on Wook. When he's a teen, he like tearfully swears he's gonna find someone who's going to open his energy gate and change his fate. He says he's gonna take his dad's sword and just break it in two as a big fuck you to him. So then we go back to the present out of the flashback, and in the aftermath of the attack on Songrim, Wook is dead set on persuading Wudak to be his teacher, and she is just not having it. They're forced to stick together because everyone in the uh, building is ordered to gather at the training center, and the people who set the house on fire were actually allies of Naksu, you know, way back when. And they broke into this house via a spy. So to draw out said spy, someone has brought a spirit dog thing. And it's like this thing (laughs) you can smell who is a soul shifter and we're going to catch the spy. Oh, yeah. So, of course, Mudok is like sweating. She's like, oh, fuck, they're going to catch me. However, the spy is actually the man right behind her who looks totally innocent, but it was actually him. And he like starts running away, but then the dog gets him and he turns to stone. Now, it's important to note that the person who brought the spirit dog is Jin Choyun, who is spring and the only girl of the four seasons. She has a past with Wook, like they were engaged but they broke off the engagement, so there's a little bitterness there. <laughs> a little? A, a tad. <laughs> she is very butthurt and Wook could care less, essentially, so. Wook accidentally breaks the pot that the dog spirit was inside of, so it can't be used to find Mooduck. He's like, whoopsie, I accidentally <laughs> <Whoops>. broke it. <laughs> So his punishment is that he needs to sit in the courtyard and not move and not speak and just sit there. They are very much a fan of like public punishment. (laughs) It's not like he's sitting in a jail cell. They're like, you need to sit in the courtyard where everyone can see your fucking (laughs) 
ass, bitch ass, yeah. and, and be punished there. They're very big on public punishment in this kingdom. Yes. <laughs> While Wook is literally sitting in a courtyard, just not moving or speaking, Moduk takes advantage of him sitting there and takes uh, his spirit plaque for safe passage and books it to escape. Armed with the plaque, again, she returns to the uh, Jisang house intending to sell the plaque, um, but she's overheard by an eavesdropper who then steals the plaque for herself. Great. (laughs) Which goes to show you, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Keep your mouth shut, indeed. So now we get a look inside the organization that Noxu is a part of, a very shady organization. A cloaked leader addresses his followers, promising soul-swapped bodies to all who sacrifice themselves for him. And as he leaves, it's revealed that he is Jin Mu, dun, 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 which you don't know who that is. Um, but he's <laughs> he's assistant Guanju, which Guanju is like, I don't know, like CEO, I guess. <laughs> um, or or yeah. like chief advisor um, to the new king. So he's the assistant advisor to the king. And he is the leader of the shady organization. So Muldock is still desperate to go back to her shady organization and she actually survives an assassin that's sent to silence her only by chance because the uh, Jisang who stole the spirit plaque is mistaken for Noxu and is killed instead of her. So like, dodge that one. Now that Muldock knows that she has a hit out on her though, she's like very shaken by this betrayal. And witnesses her old body burn, so she cannot go back to her original body. Noxu's body, her original body, has been cremated. So Wook now has finished his punishment. Him and Mudok meet at the cremation. He's recovered Noxu's sword, and he hopes that by giving it to her and her taking it out of its sheath, it will restore her body's power so she can be the fearsome assassin and his, like dream goal of a master however she's too weak to unsheathe the sword and regain her her energy so she's very dramatic and tries to commit suicide in a lake where her um, organization would leave dead soul shifters however in the lake remember the lake is magical it gives her a surge of energy enough to allow moduk to unsheathe her sword and temporarily regain the strength that she had that was lost it doesn't stick though (laughs) Um, she needs a powerful mage to release the energy within her so she can't do it on her own and that's the end of episode two okay episode three our heroes having defied death they return to Sejuquan. here wook kneels and he swears to serve mudak she agrees to be his teacher but says that their relationship does have an end date Because once Wook trains to full strength and restores her power, they need to both part ways. Mudok gives the lowdown on the three magical techniques for this world. Jipsu, which is the ability to gather the water's energy. Ryusu, which is absorbing the energy. And Chisu, controlling it for explosive results. Like, think waterbending, but even more (laughs) explody. Yeah, like a water punch. She's showing him all this stuff and like, it looks really cool, but it ends abruptly because she is so winded from the energy expended. <laughs> like she would have looked so badass. And then at the end, she's like, oh, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> she's like, hold on, breathing is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, Wook is no better than she is. Even in her scrawny secondhand body, she beats him so hard in a fist fight. Like, <laughs> Listen, he's little baby winter. He's little baby man winter. <laughs> and he's never had to lift a finger ever because he's a little prince baby man. <laughs> oh, he's literally spent this entire time just looking for someone to teach him magic and it's done like zero training. He's pretty pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, luckily for him, Wook has had his energy gate restored by a kindly old mage that was able to channel his magic. Mudok verifies this in the most awkward way possible. She literally shoves him against the wall, strips his outer robe, and then presses her hands up close against his stomach and chest. And she's like, oh yeah, the energy's (laughs) there, baby. Sick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he has the energy, but now he needs to harness it. To do that, they need the mage's personal breathing technique. Only then can Wook actually use the power he was given. Mudok <laughs> schemes, and she's trying to get the technique from the mage's hot relative, Yule, who is Fall. She presses up against him with like a fake love confession, uh, which is like kind of believable because remember they were like puppy lovers together when they were like little kids. You know, I, I'm sure she still has some lingering feelings for Yul. Um, But however, he is not fooled. And he's like, I know what the fuck you're up to. But they make a deal. Modak returns his precious keepsake, the bird whistle that she stole from her old body, um, in exchange for Yul's breathing technique. Meanwhile, Wook has been busy. He's well on his way to mastering Jinsu, which, if you remember, is the ability to gather the water's energy. That's what Emily just said a few minutes ago. This is appalling news for Jin, though, who's honor-bound to act on what he was told by his friend Zhang Gang. Wook, he knows, is not Gang's son, but the late king's. If he catches the attention of the royal family, he could be killed for treason. So when the man he regards almost as a son asks for an invitation to Song Rim, Jin has no choice but to refuse. So Wook is trying to be invited to Song Rim, be a mage, etc study under there but Jin is like "Eh, I don't want to be killed for treason so he refuses Mm -hmm. Wook who is basically like his uh, son figure adding insult to injury he returns Wook's father's sword the one he lacks the power to unsheath then the worst blow of all Wook is then banished from Songrim Things get even uglier when Jin is saying, Wook, where's your spirit plaque? And he can't exactly say, uh, my assassin master, who's the secret, Muduk, uh, who's actually Noxu, uh, stole it. <laughs> she was trying to escape and earn her freedom. So he says he lost it. This results in a really harsh punishment. Again, public in the middle of a courtyard, he gets 100 floggings. But Wook is stone-faced through it all. He endures each blow as his friends watch in horror. But then back home, Wook, turns out, is not so stoic. He's very upset. And that's how episode three ends. A very dramatic way to end. Drama. And they are fucking whipping him. Yeah. Like, it's hard to watch. And then he's like, you've only hit me 99 times. Hit me one more time yourself, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And he does. Jin comes down, he does, but hits him pretty hard, too. So that was the first three episodes. So much happens. They are just so dense. What are your thoughts on the show, Rachel? I really like this show. I feel like there is a very steep learning curve 
for learning who is who and how they are related mm-hmm. to each other. Like, I need a tree. I need, like, a relationship map <laughs> for this K-drama. Because it's very difficult. And it's it's nothing like their names are confusing or, like, they look the same. Not that at all. There's just so many characters. And, like, the show jumps from, like, one scene to the next and, like, one plot line to the next. So it's hard to kind of piece it all together. So that part of the show is hard for me. But I do think it is a good show overall. So I thought the premise of this was great, but this needed some editing. Oh, like, I understand it's a K-drama. I understand that, it, you know, it's pretty typical to have really convoluted storylines and many characters, but something as complicated and otherworldly as this show really could have benefited from a more streamlined plot and just less characters. Yeah, like, stick with one and develop it, and then you can start branching out once we have, like, a solid cast of, like, six people that we're following. Like, that would be easy to follow, but there's, like, 20 characters. (laughs) It's really hard to keep track of who is who and how they are all interconnected to each other. I feel like they could have balanced it a little bit better with more exposition to help us make the connections. Yeah. I almost wish that they only introduced, like, this is spring and winter in the first half and then in the second half of the show they could have been like and this is the other two like you've heard about them and now they're here but like the whole plot with the king and and stuff like that it is just so unbelievably complicated because then you have all the people that work for the king and who's who work for the shady organization of assassins and it's it's a lot um and that's why i'm really thankful for how detailed the plot summary was on drama beans like what we just read severely simplified yeah but i mean it was super helpful because so much goes on in an episode i need to be keyed to certain things to remember oh yeah i did watch that and this is what happened and how it's connected like (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot i know it's typical for episodes to be like 60 minutes but all of these are over 60 minutes long Mm -hmm. it is seriously like a movie, a movie per so the, it is a major time commitment that affected my enjoyment of the show i really really thought that it could have benefited from just like 30 minute episodes and just mm-hmm. having more episodes yeah um that's just me personally my brain is turned to mush i do not have any patience <laughs> for three hour movies for 90 minute episodes <laughs> like yeah i mean 45 minutes i could see but like yeah it's it's like 70 80 90 minutes per episode it's rough i don't know if this is just like my anxiety brain but like when i finished watching the episode i'm like dang we're only on episode five (laughs) like (laughs) you feel like you've been watching it forever and you're like there's 15 more episodes in the season like fuck (laughs) yeah so i feel like that it would benefit from having fewer episodes okay let's do our ratings so on a scale from one to five one being the worst five being the best how would you rate the acting on the show i'm going to rate it a four the actress that plays noxu slash moduk is extremely famous and is very very good at what she does and i think she does a lot of carrying because she is the main person Um, However, the other, like, the seasons, the four seasons, they do a decent job at acting, too, but they're just not as good 
as as Noxu and then the minor characters. It just gets a little uh, hokey sometimes. But that may not be their acting skills. That may just be the writing. I'm also going to give it a four, mainly due to the main couple. The main male character and the main female character totally carry the show. Everyone else is just not on the same level. Yeah, I would agree with that. On a scale from one to five, how would you rate the plot of this K-drama? I'm going to have to give it a a three and a half. I think, like we've said exhaustively at this point, the plot is a little hard to follow. It's a little all over the place. I think the premise is good. I think the magical aspects are good. I just feel like there's a lot of relationships going on and it needs a little more of a thread to piece them all together. I'm going to give it a two. Ah! Um, (laughs) Sorry. I just didn't think that this was really for me. It was too complicated. In my opinion, it really needed to be simplified. And I thought it was stupid that he's like, the king sired my son when it was literally physically his sperm. So that doesn't make any sense. Unless you're saying that the soul is stored in sperm, in which case, what about women? Yeah. (laughs) I just thought that was weird. So that's my rating. Okay, on a scale from one to five, how would you rate everything else? The cinematography, the costuming, the CGI, anything else? Again, I'm going to rate it a three and a half. I think the set design and the costuming was on point. I thought everything looked... Like it could be from a fantastical, kind of like a historical perspective. The CGI is rough. Um, (laughs) The magic, uh, when they show it, is a little weird, but it's not horrible. I've definitely seen worse. That is the only aspect of the show I'd really, I would really change. I'm going to give it a three. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. And sometimes the CGI was good and sometimes it just was not. <laughs> but like we said, uh, we have definitely seen worse. Yeah, I mean, if, if they didn't have the budget to like make it amazing all the time, I understand. So I'd rather it be amazing in like key shots. Right. Than just kind of okay throughout. Right. Okay, uh, simple question. Would you recommend this show? Yes or no? Yes, but I would recommend with the caveat that it's going to be confusing. <laughs> honestly i don't think i'd recommend this show to the average viewer i think this is the first show you wouldn't recommend that we've reviewed i don't know there's a first for everything it's okay old crotchety we don't like things anymore everything we critical (laughs) soulmates podcast we love to hate (laughs) we love to hate we love to hate Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Let's wrap it up with our weekly K-pop recommendations. I'm going to recommend Red Velvet's Birthday. I'm going to recommend Vengeance by BB. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can find us on Instagram at Soulmates Podcast. We have our link tree there, which links to all of our relevant social media accounts. So check us out there. Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. Check out some of our videos on YouTube under our channel name, Soulmates Podcast. You can find this program pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you like, you follow, you subscribe, because we are here most of the time, every other Friday. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye.